welcome to the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast. And now your host, Sonia Esther Sultani. Welcome to the Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast, a podcast for people in the jewelry industry that want to learn more and jewelry lovers that want to expand their knowledge. Here we talk about everything that has to do with vintage and antique jewelry. I'm your host, Sonia Esther Sultani, the Editor-in-Chief of Rappaport. I'm editing a monthly magazine that covers everything from mining to retail. I'm also the editor of Jewelry Connoisseur, an online magazine, the same name as this podcast, and an Instagram account called Rappaport Jewelry Pro, on which we share information about gemstones, estate jewelry, and contemporary design. I love jewelry. I love to learn more, and I love to have exciting guests. This podcast is the opportunity to speak to experts on specific topics. Today, my guest is Marion Fisher of Paul Fisher in New York. She's the fifth-generation dealer and has funded the Jewelers Cycle with five other dealers in 2020 to answer a big gap in the market. Today, she will tell us what the Jewelers Cycle does and what kind of benefits it offers to its members. Hi, Marion. Today, Marianne is with us to talk to you about the Jewelers Cycle, new digital platform for estate and vintage jewelry. Hi, my name is Marianne Fisher. I'm from Paul Fisher Jewelry originally, and now at Jewelers Circle. I'm a co-founder and managing director of this B2B platform for the exquisite, rare, and unusual jewelry and gemstones. So how did you start the Jewelers Cycles? Because we know the industry is quite slow at embracing digital changes and platforms. So what was the motivation to create this specific group? Flow is, is an under, understatement. It's archaic. <laughs> We're really an old-fashioned family industry, uh, you know, generations of family business that really have not moved into the technical digital world. So interesting enough, it's the pandemic that started it all. Back in March 2020, all of my associates from all over were very large international businesses. They're from London, New York, Geneva, Hong Kong, Taiwan. We all were shut down. And we started speaking on the phone saying, what will we do? We rely on travel. We rely on trade shows. My jewelry was stuck in New York in a safe collecting dust for three months. How are we going to survive? This is a real rude awakening of how backward our industry is that we need to be in person to conduct business and make transactions. So six of us came together in a conversation from Paul Fisher, New York, and we had office in London, Geneva, representatives in Paris and Geneva. JSS Young, Alan Levy, one of the participators, co-founder, and also he's co-managing director of Jeweler Circle. Then we have Hancock, Stephen Burton from London. He's got a retail shop in Burlington Arcade. Then we have G. Taroni, SA, which is in Geneva, Switzerland. They are very big colored stone dealers. Ernst Faber from Munich, Germany, also big estate and stones and diamond dealer. Palais Royale from Hong Kong and Paris. They're also very fine arts, fine jewelry, different periods. But the group together uh, are quite well known in the industry and quite powerful. And so we figured if we come together and try to create something, we can help the industry really move into the 20th century because we really still have several dealers that work with inventory cards that don't even have computers, that don't take photos. So we started to build a website in order to create this private network. And that's basically what we wanted. We wanted to help the trade. And by helping the trade, we wanted to create a place that's private. It's secure 
and not exposed to anyone outside of the trade. So this B2B platform is basically for sourcing merchandise and trading and dealing um, worldwide through the computer. And what's great is that all the business conducted is private. So if you purchase something on this network, you see it, the private client who the end consumer will not be able to Google it or find it on the platform. It's completely private and the transaction's private. Because it's a subscriber-based platform, we don't charge commissions. The transaction is done between the buyer and the seller. We're not even aware of what gets sold or what doesn't get sold. I mean, obviously, pieces come off the platform. But the idea is that a subscriber and exhibitor can have a virtual booth on the platform and their pieces can be put up and it can be shown at will. So maybe he has a 100 pieces up, but then decides to put a few out on memo. He can make it hidden. He can expose it for sale. He can change prices. It could be put two prices, a price for borrowing retail or a price for dealing. And so there's these thousands of listings on the platform of extraordinary jewelry because everyone on the platform comes from this network of vintage jewelers who deal in very rare and unique gemstones. So you'll find a variety of pieces that you'll never find anywhere else in the world. Going from natural pearls to rare boxes, watches, precious stones, semi-precious that are rare. You have like unique stones like a demon-toyed garnet or a very rare green tourmaline that has iodine. Specialty stones that have certificates and are guaranteed But the variety on this platform is unique and special, and it's coming from a group of very trusted, a trusted network of dealers. And I think that's something that was very important for you, that everyone has to be vetted. So from this group of six dealers that know each other very well, and it's a small world, and people have reputations that they've established, your fifth generation at Paul Fisher, people know each other very well. How have you expanded the network? How many exhibitors do you have? I think 175 is probably a correct number on the network of dealers. Basically, everyone has been vetted. Everyone goes through a process of checking to see their background if they're showing inventory. So it's basically the same concept as a show. Everyone takes a booth, but it's virtual. And it's the same idea that when somebody comes to a show, which would be the visitor on, you know, the retailer, they go and they transact and they contact the person directly at, they go and visit that booth and they speak directly with the owner. So if you're interested in a piece, the discussion goes direct. We don't get involved. The transaction is between the agreements of payment, the agreements of delivery. That it's all done between the buyer and the seller. Really, we're just a tool for the trade. That's what we decided. We want to help the trade. We don't want to try to take advantage. We want to make it easier to do business, not have to wait to go to a trade show or have to fly all the way to Taipei to sell a stone. Obviously, sometimes maybe the person person wants to see it. So you make an agreement on the shipping. We have an amazing deal with Ferrari shipping. They're so kind. Anything shipped with them, they'll use their offices to show and view the piece in their offices for free. So if there is perhaps a beautiful cashmere sapphire in New York and the retailer in Taipei would like to see it, they'll ship it to the office in Ferrari and the customer, the retailer can come in and view it in their offices on the premises. And that's all worldwide for free. Talking about innovation and not shipping the pieces, you've just introduced a new virtual gallery, one of the many innovations that have added to the platform since you launched in 2020. Yeah, this is our newest and our one we're most excited about. So it's called Shared Galleries. 
Basically, it is a virtual memo. So say I'm a retailer in Arkansas and I have a customer who really loves Art Deco bracelets. You can go onto the platform and pick Art Deco bracelets from several different exhibitors. And of course, you have to have the permission. The person has to offer the piece to be allowed for shared galleries which is a virtual memo, but you can go in and pull several different deco bracelets into your watch list. Then you can change the price and send the link to your private client. And what's great about this is the private client will never know who the source is and the source will never know your private client, but you'll get all the information that everyone else sees on like an inventory page. You'll get the videos, you'll get the front view, back view, the certificates if they're available. You can just make a virtual memo to anywhere you want to any of your clients. So you're basically offering your sourcing special pieces for your clients at a fingertip. And instead of having to do this waste of money and insurance and shipping, you can actually just do it virtually. So basically, it's a great advantage for a retailer because all the pieces that they're taking from the jeweler circle to show their clients are not accessible on the internet. If you have a piece that they buy for $5,000 and you're selling it for $7,500 to your private, they can't go and Google it and say, oh, find it on jeweler circle. No, those prices are private. It's a secure private network, which is a great advantage for the trade. It gives an opportunity. Whereas today, everything is all over the internet. If you buy something from an auction house, the price is there and it doesn't go away. So nobody wants to feel I paid more than 10% for something. So it's a great advantage, the privacy. And it's very interesting because I think what you try to do is to really have a big connection between the exhibitors and you have different devices to keep the conversation going between the exhibitors, the retailers and the exhibitors between themselves. Can you tell us a bit more about all the different services you offer your members? One thing I want to point out is we are the trade. So we built this for the trade. Everything we did, we built for thinking in mind of the best interest of our exhibitors and visitors because it facilitates and helps us as an industry. So we have several ways. We can communicate, obviously, with email. We can communicate with a chat on the platform, communicate by text, and we can communicate by WhatsApp. We also have made it to facilitate videos. We can post several photos of images. One of the greatest features that we did create is also posting calls. Retailer and exhibitor can post calls and answer calls. So if somebody in Taipei, for example, is looking for eight carat Burma Ruby pigeon blood, they can post it onto the platform on the homepage and everyone can see it. Maybe you don't want everybody to know your call. So you can post it either to the entire platform or to what we call your circle. And your circle would be your trusted dealers that you like to work with. You can go and answer the call. Perhaps you, you say, oh, I have an eight carat. It gets directed right to the person who sent the call. And uh, you can upload photos when you're looking for a call. So in other words, if someone says, I have this deco bracelet, uh, we sold it. Somebody else wants one like it. You can upload the photo and say, does anyone else have something like this? We also have what's called um, the 24-hour best offer. So say you have something you bought really inexpensive and you pay like $1,000, but it's, you think, oh, maybe it's worth $2,500. So you put it on the platform at a thousand and other dealers can bid on it for 24 hours. So say maybe all of a sudden says, Oh wow, I'll give 1100. Then someone else says, I'll give 12. So it's kind of like a mini auction 
on the platform that's good for 24 hours. And at the end of the expiration, you sell it to the highest bidder. Then we also have a WhatsApp group, chat group for very quick, immediate sales. So that group, whoever likes to participate, it's only for exhibitors. They can quickly take a picture with their phone, post it, and it's for immediate sales. The same idea of doing a quick deal like you would at a trade show fast. Bought it, sold it, bought it, sold it. We have webinars and the new listings being uh, posted constantly on the homepage so that people maybe get ideas for maybe for customers and and to sell and to network. And that's the best part. The platform is international. And being international from all over the world, it makes a very big difference for those living in Asia, where there's huge demand for vintage. It can access the platform while we're all sleeping and try to buy something. So it's a nice way to network worldwide. I think you have also big expansion plans in terms of the whole world and people who can't travel yet. We're very excited because we just made a deal with a Chinese government organization that deals in jewelry and gemstones. They will be building a website in Chinese. We'll take from the jeweler's circle the merchandise and translate it and show it in China. So it's government backed so that we don't have any worries of any problems because we're doing everything correct and they will import the merchandise. But what's great is all the pieces on Jeweler's Circle, if you choose to have it on their website, will be posted in Chinese on their network and we believe it's going to create a lot of sales. And that we're really looking for our exhibitors because I think a lot of old friends will be someone's new treasure in China. And I think what's great is they'll pay for it up front. Nothing will be chipped out unless piece is paid for in full and then everything gets shipped out. But I believe it's going to bring a whole new avenue for uh, selling for the jeweler's circle. Especially as this Chinese market has a big hunger for luxury exclusive goods, even more during the lockdown and not being able to go anywhere. And I think, you know, it's a bit of a boost as well to buy beautiful jewelry. Yeah, they've always uh, loved jewelry as a whole and invest in jewelry. But the truth is they have a real appreciation for vintage and they, they really love. And there's so many people there. So it's an emerging market, which we want to be there. We want to be there to be able to sell. And it's also, they want to have a network they can trust. Because what's scary out is selling merchandise that's not correctly described or that's accurate or is what they say it is. You know, reproductions, for example. And I think knowing where it comes from, being the jeweler's circle, which is a really group of reputable dealers, they are very happy to work with us because they know they're buying from a source that they can trust. And even if there is an issue, they know it will be backed and be guaranteed that there'll never be a problem. They always can return if there's something wrong. You're buying from somewhere where you can trust the authenticity. And I think that's a huge factor today. I think people want to be able to trust when they don't understand something They want to be able to trust and have faith that it's going to be correct. I didn't mention before, but one of our partners, Olivier Bachet from Palais Royale, he's from the Society d'Expertise in Paris, and he makes certificates for authenticating the jewelry. And so most of the pieces will go through either a full report or a small authenticity um, document to prove that the piece is correct Um, that they can count when they buy it. Because, you know, I'm in business now 33 years. My father was 72 years. And as he said, you're still learning something new every day. Because when it comes to vintage, you're talking about hundreds of years of craftsmanship. It's a lot to learn and a lot to understand about what's old, what's not, what's deco, what's correct. It takes experts who spent years looking at this kind of merchandise to be able to trust where they're buying. The Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast will be back after this break. The Jewelry Connoisseur Podcast is brought to you by Rappaport Jewelry Auctions. Rappaport Jewelry Auctions offers centralized monthly auction markets that provide sellers with liquidity for their jewelry at fair market value prices. 
and give buyers an opportunity to purchase estate jewelry at competitive market prices. Rappaport's auctions consist of unique estate, vintage, and signed jewelry, expertly curated and incredibly priced. With auctions held each month, there are always excellent buying and selling opportunities. Visit us at jewelryauctions.rappaport.com and register to participate in our upcoming auctions. The market seems very optimistic. As we're recording this podcast, Jam Genève is about to happen and people are very excited. The last edition in November was already a success. So where do you see the market right now in terms of the demand and the desire for these more exclusive, unique pieces? So it's hot, very, very hot. There's several reasons. First off, I think sustainability, the whole movement to not create carbon footprint and reuse what we've already created is a huge push for vintage and for things that are from the past that have already been created. Second is the demand is about people wanting to feel special. When you have all these large brands creating thousands of the same item, you know, love bracelet. Everyone has a love bracelet. Alhambra necklace. Everyone has an Alhambra. You start to say, I want to have something nobody else has. I think people want to get away from this looking like sheep and having the same as everyone else. They want something rare and unique. And they want something that's really beautiful, that people took time to make. You know, sadly, the last 20 years, the world's gone much more to mass production and branding. And nothing against it, but you're not building quality because most of these pieces can never be made again for several reasons. One reason is it's not cost efficient. Hours and time to create a piece like a plique jour, it's all done like it's stained glass windows. The craftsmen don't have it. They don't even know how to use it to make this anymore. They haven't learned. It's an old technique that has to be educated for worked on for years. But the time consuming, it's not cost efficient to spend all those hours to create a beautiful work of art and then sell it. You only make one or two a year. So that's why people are starting to go back to these pieces and recognizing the work, that the amount of time it took and the type of stones. For example, if you look at a ruby diamond bracelet from 1910, the rubies are all natural, not treated. All those stones that now are being treated and heated, this is all original. And so in order to find the quality of stones, it's only in these old pieces. And so I think people are recognizing and learning and educating themselves that, wow, I want to own a piece of first off history. I want to own something quality. I want to own something that can't be made again today. And on top of it, it's all appreciating. You know, I've been in this business 33 years. In that time, all these gorgeous pieces, first off, they're disappeared. They're in people's collections. And if I can find them to buy them, they've gone up consistently. So it's a great investment. No one has noticed and they're starting to realize, wow, I need to own something rare and unique because I know it's great to pass down to my children. It's only going to go up in price. It's the only thing that I've seen in the last 33 years consistently going up in value. Whereas you look at real estate, goes up and down. Commodities go up and down. But vintage is on a consistent going upscale. And it's something that, you know, especially with inflation, you're smart to be buying. So answer to your question, it's hot. Vintage is hot. Rare stones are hot. Gem Geneva is hot. Gem Geneva is special again. It's very much like the jeweler's circle. It was built by the trade for the trade. So two dealers that are very well respected came together and built this show with in mind thinking of what's the needs of the dealers, not the needs of our trade. They're thinking about what's the best interest. Ronnie Tota and Thomas Ferber 
built this show to show elegance, to show the beauty of the pieces. So the booths are beautiful. The venue's beautiful. They think all around the lighting, everything down to last detail is about showing off the beauty of all this rarity that we have. And that's why they're a success. They're a great success because they are the trade. And so that's what's so important about really thinking about what will help our industry the most and making it an environment where you want to work and you want to do business. Absolutely. And tell me, Marianne, I know the show hasn't started yet, but what would be in your ideal jewelry box? To me to buy or what I have already? To buy. I'm sure you have a beautiful collection already. So in these 30 years, are there any pieces that got away or anything that you feel I still want to know a bit more about this one and I would like to have it? Well, yeah, there's a few things I would like to have. You know, I've never been a diamond person, but I like unusual diamonds. And I would love, personally, I'd love to get a Golconda, proper one, you know, type 2A, but from one of those flat old cushion stones, you know, I'd like a nice big flat cushion. I do love diamonds, but I'm not a diamond in sense like on the commercial side. I like the unusual. I love colored diamonds. I think I wouldn't mind a pink diamond myself. And I have to say that those are getting more difficult to acquire. Interesting enough, cashmere sapphires are the hottest thing, you know, possible, but they're Prices have gotten very, very strong. So it's getting more difficult to buy them affordably because there are several investors and understandable, the mine is depleted. You know, you won't be able to steal those. <laughs> But I'm actually very impressed with New Madagascar sapphires. They're actually the natural stones. They're almost like cashmeres. And from what I understand, it's because thousands of years ago, the land was connected. And so the, the property elements are very similar. So you see a lot of cashmere quality in Madagascar sapphires. But if we're talking again about jewelry and about craftsmanship. I'm a big fan of the Edwardian period. And I love it because what it was, was 1900, they started to work with platinum. They never had the metal prior to that. The craftsmen wanted to really work intricately with the metal to show off their skills. And so if you look at a piece of Edwardian jewelry, you'll notice the fineness of the gallery, all handmade. They use beadwork. They use lattice. It's little works of art just in the metal. So the stones were really kind of less the focus. It's more about the craft. When you have a beautiful piece of Edwardian jewelry, you can study it and look at it from all angles. And it's a detail that's incredible. Natural pearls, they're extraordinary. I think people don't realize what a phenomenon. My family was originally natural pearl dealers before they came and went into jewelry in the 1900s. And when you think about a natural pearl by accident, a piece of sand falling in an oyster and creating this beautiful specimen, and then to match them, you know, the chances of that, it's pretty incredible. So when you go around the show, you'll never see a greater collection of natural pearls anywhere in one place in the world. Because all these dealers have the highest quality of everything. I love the retro period because of the fact of using different alloys of gold because it was wartime. And you'll see the craftsmanship, the detail and the style of 1940s jewelry to me is bold, brilliant, and really showing the talent of the creators at that time. It doesn't exist anymore. They took what they had and they made it happen, even though everything was going to the war effort. And so there's so much, you could go in Gem Geneva and spend days, you'll find a treasure trove of merchandise that you can't find anywhere else in the world. Same on the Jewelers Circle. Absolutely. And I think for people who haven't joined the jewelry cycle yet, I would encourage first to have a look, to check your social media, to attend some of the webinars, the educational webinars that are not close to the members, but that are open to everyone. And you can learn a lot from them. You know, you have key dealers sharing their knowledge, the same way as you've done with us today, Marianne. So I would encourage everyone to come and, and follow and learn with you the expertise and the knowledge of state jewelry. 
And I wanted to add one last thing because we are for the trade. Everyone who has joined us this first year that came along with us and gave trusted in us and took a chance with us, we've created the revenue share of founders. So basically, anyone who joins this first year will become a founding shareholder of Jewelry Circle and will share every year in the revenue, 10% of the revenue. So because we want to make people feel they're part of the platform. If we grow, they grow with us. And it's a thank you to all our founding shareholders. Thanks for your time, Mary. And that was really interesting. And I hope the people from the trade will appreciate if they don't know the juror cycle, they've learned and they want to be part of this adventure, whether they're exhibitors or retailers. Okay, great. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having joined us on this latest episode of the Jury Connoisseur podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google and YouTube. If you like this podcast, give us your feedback and make sure that you subscribe so you won't miss any single episode. You also can find information on estate and antique jewelry on juryconnoisseur.net. 